words that are coming out of my mouth. It's like the story of the frog. I think I've told this here before, but it's a great story that'll illustrate my point that uh, there were these birds up north and they were always talking about flying south for the winter. Uh, and they had a friend that was a frog, okay? Hypothetical story. Uh, I don't know if any birds make friends with frogs, but this one did for the sake of the story. Uh, and the frog asked the birds, what was so special about the south? And they said, well, it's warmer down there and, uh, you know, it's just a different atmosphere. There's this thing called humidity and all of that. And, and so the frog thought, instead of freezing up here in the winter, could I fly south with you uh, and, and get to know this place you call the south? And so the birds agreed and they're trying to figure out how to do it, you know, because the frog tried to get on his back, but uh, they kept, when the flapping of the wings, he was falling off and he didn't want to die. And so one of the birds came up with the idea that this bird on the right, would put a, the end of a stick in his mouth and the bird on the left would put a stick in the middle of his mouth and, and then the frog would latch hold of the stick with his mouth. And then the birds would fly and the frog would hold on with his mouth and get this nice, beautiful trip uh, south to the country here, uh, here near where we live. Well, they're flying across the sky. Things are going well. He's getting to see all this beautiful country. And as they flew over this farmer's house, the farmer looks up and he looks at, it, looks at that frog. He says, that's an amazing sight that these birds and this frog are coordinating that this frog could fly south for the winter too. And, and he says, I wonder who came up with that idea. And right about that time, the frog says, I did. And when he opened his mouth, he fell off of the stick and he splatted there on the ground. Just such a horrible ending to the story. His mouth got him in trouble. Oftentimes, my mouth gets me in trouble. And I think God really wants us to know how we can add some worth to our words. That's what we're going to preach on tonight. Making sure we add some worth to our words. My tongue can be a weapon of mass instruction or mass destruction. It's amazing what this thing can do, not only to hurt myself, but to hurt other people. James 3, 5, and 6, the Bible says, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. That shows you how dangerous our tongue can be. And we need to make sure that as we speak that we consider what our words are doing, whether they are instructing or destructing. And I'm afraid oftentimes we have careless conversations. And we don't realize the power of our word. So tonight, I really want to let Scripture speak for itself. Scripture is more powerful than I am. And so we're going to let Scripture speak for itself tonight. The record is my record of reference Scriptures. All right? I'm going to let the Bible talk for itself. Uh, I'm not going to turn to all of them because you would get cramps in your hands. And so if you want to write these down, I encourage you to get a pen right now. I'm going to give you some Scriptures that God has used. Listen to me to help me. To help me. I've hurt people with this thing in my mouth before. I've hurt not only me, I've hurt my family. Uh, there are times I've even hurt multiple people with words out of my mouth. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to help, but I need to understand how God says I need to add words to, add worth to my words. And tonight I want to give you five ways. Five ways to add worth to your words. Yes, that was five. You heard it correctly, all right? That's not a record breaker. I think I had a six here before, but uh, five ways to add worth to your words. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to open up your heart tonight. I'm going to ask you to open up your heart and let the word of God in. Let it in to do what it wants to. Let it change us, because I assure you, it's kind of like a mama bird. I had to chew this one up. 
before I could spit it out. And I assure you there's some good stuff in the scripture tonight that God wants to help. I'm going to give you five ways to add worth to your words. That way God can use them for his glory. The first is really a matter of motive. It's a matter of motive, why, why we are about to say the things we're going to say. You know, the Bible says there's many devices in a man's heart. That means we have a lot of ideas, a lot of things we want to do in our heart, but the Bible says that it's God that trieth them, that it's God that needs to proof the things that come out of our mouth. And one way is to ask, why am I about to say what I am going to say? Now, this step needs to happen prior, okay? If you will ask this question prior to you speaking tonight, I promise you your words will be worth more, and it will help you to do the first point tonight, and that is communicate productively. Communicate productively. Now, stick with me. If you truly desire, what did verse 17 say? To speak in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, what did it say? The Bible says, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, if I am truly going to speak in his name, then my words have to be doing his will. That means the words that come out of my mouth, I have to make sure I am communicating productively. Isaiah 55, 11. Listen to what God says his words do. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now stick with me. What did our, our text tonight say? That whether in deed or in word that I speak in Jesus' name. That means as if they were his words. Well, Isaiah 55, 11 says that his words shall accomplish that which pleases him. All right? So if I'm going to speak, and when I speak, I need to, to communicate productively. That means I am seeking to build someone up, or I am speaking to do what verse 11 says, to accomplish that which God pleases. Now, this is a hard one. Why? Because I'm going to be honest with you tonight. Half the time I open my mouth, I want to say what I want. And I want to say what pleases me. But sometimes saying what pleases me hurts other people, all right? Now, don't make me feel alone tonight, all right? Sometimes when I open my mouth to say things I want to say, sometimes it hurts other people. And if it hurts other people, it's not accomplishing that which God wanted. Why? Because he wanted what I said to please him, not to please myself. And if I'm pleasing myself, man, it's hard to please God. So I've got to communicate productively. Ephesians 4.29, we know this one well. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good, watch this, to the use of edifying. God says you need to think about what your words are going to be used for. I've never been arrested. Don't raise your hand if you have. None of our people have been arrested, right? But I, I've seen on TV... When you get arrested, they say, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. For those of you who haven't arrested, is that what they say? Amen. Amen. All right. Now we know. Now we know. Your words can be used against you. Can I tell you, that's not the worst thing that could happen. The worst thing that could happen is your words be used against God. The Bible says that, let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Before I open my mouth, I have to ask, is my communication going to be productive? Is it going to be used to produce something that pleases God? 
And I want you to know there are times in my life that, that I almost literally have to put one of those chip clips on my lips to keep it from opening. You got something bottled up in there, and it's good. It's good. Maybe it's your spouse. It's sad that we can say the meanest things to our spouses. Those people that are closest to us, they get it the worst, don't they? Let's be honest. Don't make me feel alone tonight. Help me out a little bit. All right? And man, all of a sudden, you got something, and it's a good one, and you literally are shaking. It's wanting to come out so bad, but you know as soon as those words come out, they're only coming out to please you. They're not going to please God, and they're going to hurt that other person. And so I've got to ask, am I going to communicate productively? And if I'm not, I've just got to swallow it. I've got to swallow it. Why? Well, verse 17 says, I'm speaking in word in the name of the Lord Jesus. The rest of verse 29 says, to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace. That it may minister grace. Man, suddenly, if I live by Point number one, I'm not talking quite as much. Why? Well, the Bible says my words are to minister. That word minister means to serve. How often do we speak and our words are self-serving? I'm saying what I want to say. I'm going to get you told. And I know I'm going to apologize for it later. I'm speaking what I want to say to serve myself rather than serve you. And the specific thing I should be serving, the Bible says, is grace. Communicating productively requires my words for his use. God, I'm going to open my mouth for your use. I'm going to communicate productively. Now, here's what's interesting. When you contrast his words versus our words, the outcome is what makes the difference. All right, let me read you some scriptures right quick. Watch the contrast and watch how many scriptures God gives us about our words. Proverbs 18, 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Watch, death or life. If they're my words, there's a good chance they're going to be death. If they're his words, there's a good chance they're going to be life. Keep reading. The Bible says, Proverbs 13, 3. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Notice the contrast. My words, the Bible says, it's destruction. His words, the Bible says, when I keep them, it is life. I read that. I couldn't help but laugh when it says, he that openeth wide his lips. Guilty. Man, I can open this one wide. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. My words can either be a soft answer or they can stir anger. Notice the difference whether they're my words or his words. If they're going to be productive, they got to be his words. That means when I communicate, I'm going to ask, what are my words producing? What are the words? I want to tell you something. We're learning this one together. This is not my one thing. If you're here on Wednesday nights, we're preaching a series on this one thing, one thing you've apprehended, one thing that you've got a good handle on that you've learned in your walk with God. I want you to know what I am preaching tonight is not my one thing, and it probably never will be. I'm working on it. But oftentimes when I speak, I want to give the answer that oftentimes stirs up wrath, guilty. Isn't it amazing how wicked this stuff is? And I mean that. That without even trying, I can come up with an insult that'll cut you down in a heartbeat. 
This stuff is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's what the Bible says my heart is. But it's out of the abundance of the heart, Matthew 12, 34, that my mouth speaks. So number one, I've got to communicate productively. Proverbs 12, 18, listen to this. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Your words can be a sword that pierces, or they can be a balm that, that gives healing and that soothes to the health. I'm, I'm going to mention, I don't usually mention people behind the pole. I'm going to mention somebody's name tonight. Uh, good friend of mine, Brother Richard too, is back there. Brother Richard calls me from time to time, and I don't always get to answer. You've got something going on. And when I look down at my phone and I see it says Brother Richard too, if you've ever had a phone conversation with Brother Richard too, the first time it scares you. Because you think this guy's got issues, because he'll call you and he'll talk in a Scottish accent for 30 minutes without missing a beat. Illustrations and all. You know, all these things. I don't even know what that what over there in, in Scotland. And we'll sit there and talk. And the first time he did that after I got here, nobody warned me about that. Brent should have warned me about that. Because I'm like, there's nothing wrong with this guy. This guy calls me. I mean, he's got all these different languages. I don't know. I would love to have a CAT scan of his head. There's all kind of stuff going on in there. He'll just call and talk to you and all this. But can I tell you one thing I know for sure, that every time I look down at my phone and, and it says, Brother Richard, to... 95% sure I know what, what I'm about to hear when I answer that phone. Proverbs 12, 16, there is that speaketh like the piercings of the sword, but the tongue of the wise is held. It's something that's going to encourage me. I often can't answer. I could show you tonight on my, my voicemails how many times Richard too has left messages on my voicemail. And he knows if I don't answer, I'm usually busy, and he'll leave a voicemail. I know, I can, I know when I go listen to that voicemail. Some voicemails, I get, you get that heated feeling down my neck. You ever get that? When I look, oh, it's going to be bad. I know when I, I listen to Richard II's voicemails, I know what it's going to be. It's going to be, hey, I just want to call and let you know I love you, and I'm praying for you today. Something that encourages me. He's communicating productively. He's letting God use his words to be an encouragement and to be a blessing, and usually it's right on time. If you're not careful, the devil will use your words, and they will be destructive, and they will be the piercings of a sword. And oh, the thought that there were times in my life my words have pierced people like a sword. That's not accomplishing what he pleases. Preachers are just as guilty as anybody. Walking through whacking people with words just because they think God gives them a license to handle the word of God deceitfully? No, he doesn't. We walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And when we speak, we speak in the name of the Lord and we communicate productively. If you're not careful, the devil will use your words. If you've ever been down to our camp, uh, it's a neat place, simple place, but it's a neat place and all kind of things out there that uh, kids can do. Just pretty, uh, pretty primitive. And every once in a while, somebody will donate to the camp their unused garage sale items. You know, what a blessing that is. The things that didn't sell, they get dumped at the camp. And uh, I remember one year, Dad says, all right, let's do a final walkthrough. And the final walkthrough means we're going to walk through the camp and make sure everything is put up. No skill saws left out, no chainsaws left out, no hatchets left out. Why? Because kids are going to be there. And kids sometimes do what they're not supposed to. Well, when we were walking through and propped over against the bike shed, there was a golf club. It was a nine iron propped up against the, uh, the bike shed. And I remember on the final walkthrough, I thought to myself, those kids don't golf. There's no need to pick that up. 
Went back to the camp, and two days later, Dad comes to me and says, come here, I want to show you something. We walked down to the camp, and there was my 86 Ford F-150 that's still there. And there was a nine iron in the windshield. I thought to myself, number one, who's the kid? You talking about the piercings of a sword? I would be glad that it was only words. And I thought to myself this afternoon, how often do we just leave words laying around? The devil picks them up and hurts people with them. If we're going to add worth to our words, number one, let's communicate productively. What you're saying, you ought to ask, why am I saying this? Am I saying this to help or to hurt? That's number one. Now, inevitably, we are not going to always communicate productively. Agreed? Agreed. There are times as a husband and wife, you're not going to communicate productively. There are times moms and dads and your children. By the way, that's why the Bible says provoke not your children to wrath. All right? It says when we're communicating to our children, even though they are our children, and yes, you are their boss, you still do not provoke them with your words. Don't provoke them to wrath. Don't be poking them with the sword all the time. All right? Communicate productively. But inevitably, we're not. Inevitably, we're going to get this thing wrong, and we need to know God's mechanism for contentious conversations. When we do get it wrong, what do we do? I'm thankful God has an answer for that. It's number two, discuss it privately. Discuss it privately. Matthew 18, 15, if you get one tonight, get this one tattooed on the back of your eyelids. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained a brother. If we don't communicate productively, and I don't, oh, I don't, and we mess up, the Bible says we need to then discuss it privately. That means if we have a a rift between each other, then we go, the Bible says, tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Personal differences need to remain private differences. Why? Because if not, the devil will take it and use it against God's people and he'll use it against the church. Discuss it privately. By the way, if it's worth telling anyone, it's worth telling the one. It's worth telling anyone. It's worth telling the one. Can I tell you a fault of mine? I discovered a couple of years ago that I had sown discord with my own words out of the name of venting. You ever get frustrated? I do. I'm sure you get frustrated. Husband, wife, kids, world, job, gas prices, out of Oreos at Dollar General. You get frustrated. Everybody has their pet peeves, right? And man, you just, and you go and you vent. And I I realized in my venting one day, Holy Spirit convicted me that in my venting, I had sown strife and I had to go make it right. My words were used against me. The devil did. My own words. Proverbs 16, 28, a froward man soweth strife. That's what I did. I, I sowed strife, the Bible says, and a whisperer separated chief friends. If there's a problem, watch, if our words are going to be worth it, if there's a problem, you got a problem with me, i got a problem with you, hey, let's me and you talk about it. That's the scriptural example. Discuss it privately. Why? Because when we tell it to others, we are whispering. And the Bible says a whisper, I've been there. Oh, my goodness, have I been there? Separated chief friends. 
You know what that means? The devil used those. The devil will use your whispers. The devil will use your whispers. God's not going to use those whispers. The devil's going to use your whispers. Can I tell you one of the most gut-wrenching feelings for me? Gut-wrenching feelings is when I find out I've offended someone. And I do. I do. Man, this thing, yeah, I offend people. Sometimes, wrongly, if I offend you with the word of God, okay? If I offend you with that, I can't apologize for that. But I can't apologize when I offend you for something I said in the flesh, and I, and I hope I will try to get that right. But one of the most gut-wrenching feelings is when I find out I offended somebody, and I'm the fourth person to find out. I'm number four, not number one. You see, the devil's getting mileage, and the devil creates schisms. The devil creates divisions, all because of this thing in, in our mouth that the Bible says is heated like hell's fire. That's why we, number one, communicate productively. Number two, discuss privately. Proverbs 13, 11, the talebearer revealeth secrets. But he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Concealeth the matter. What does it say? A, fa- a talebearer reveals them, but he's of a faithful spirit. Concealeth the matter. I know sometimes we want to talk and we want to tell. All of us have that wonderful spiritual gift of gab. That's not in the list, by the way. Some of you are like, yes, I knew it had to be. My wife has that. That's what you were thinking tonight. My husband has that. All right, we all have that. I'm guilty of it. We all want to be the breaking news reporter. Did you know? Did you hear? And we want to break the news, don't we? The Bible says, he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. You go back and you read Proverbs 6, 16. I hope you're jotting some of these down. The Bible gives you the things that the Lord hates and that are an abomination to the Lord. Right at the top of that list is what we would classify as abortion, hands that shed innocent blood, horrific, horrific crime. But you know if you keep reading in that list, you get down to verse number 19, it's they that sow discord among the brethren. I'm guilty. I've done it. I've done it before. Oh, the Holy Spirit crushes my heart that there are things I have said with my mouth under the guise of venting my frustrations, and I have sown discord or division between people. And I think if we're honest tonight, we'd all say we all, we've all done that before. You're realizing my words were not worth anything to God, but boy, they were worth a lot to the devil. The devil used my words. I'm guilty tonight. I'm trying to share with you some things God has shared with me through his words on how, through his word, on how my words can be worth more to his kingdom and to his glory. Proverbs 26, 20, listen to this. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As a kid, we lived on a farm. It wasn't really a farm. We called it a farm. You know, we didn't have any cows, no pigs, no vegetables, no nothing. We called it the farm. And uh, we had, my dad would cut fire lanes around our property. Anybody live in the country, you, you guys know this. You cut those fire lanes, that way if your neighbor's farm's burning down, the fire comes to this place, and it's usually dirt. You disc it up, and there's dirt. It has nowhere to cross, and the fire goes out there. Why? Because there's nothing there to burn. There's no fuel for the fire there. It's a good place to deer hunt too, right? You go sit on that fire lane, it will shoot you a deer. I think that's probably why we did it anyway, but we called it fire lanes. It's a fire break. Do you know what you and I ought to be? Fire breaks. That when the fire starts spreading, and did you hear this? And Brother Jeremiah, and and he's not this, and he's not that. All of a sudden, boom, it gets to us where a fire break. It's not going to spread through me. I'm not going to throw a log on that fire. Why? Well, because that poor fellow needs all the help he can get to begin with. And then number two, I'm not going to let the devil use my words to sow discord 
Because I want to tell you, the greatest value to our church is, is its unity. What about that house divided? It won't stand. It's going to fall. So unity, how do we do that? Make sure we decide that I'm going to be a fire lane. Somebody define gossip as this. Great, by the way, gossip is not just ladies. I know you ladies get picked on a lot. Do you watch Andy Griffith? Have y'all seen the uh, gossip episode? It's a good one, man. I hate it because it makes the guys look bad. You know, Aunt B, they're always gossiping about something, spreading something, whispering something. And yet Andy and them were the most guilty. And at the very end of the episode, I won't forget, there's about this guy, he's a shoe salesman, and they thought he was a talent scout, all right? And they spread the rumor, he's a talent scout and all this. And so Andy and all the guys are getting everybody to come up singing and play their harmonicas and all of that. And this shoe, they're buying shoes to spend time with him. And man, this shoe salesman's like, I'm killing it. Man, I'm just doing such a great job. He gets in his car and Andy walks out of the car and he says, so uh, when will we be hearing from you? He says, well, your shoes will be in in a few weeks. And come to find out, that's all he was, was a shoe salesman. He wasn't a talent scout, but man, they made his pockets rich. And as the car drove off, there's Aunt B and her friend over there, just sitting there looking. Because guys are just as bad as girls. Guilty, too. Somebody define gossip as this. What a great, what a great uh, definition. To gossip means to betray a confidence or discuss unfavorable personal facts about another person with someone who's not part of the problem or its solution. Oftentimes we talk to people about problems that they are not part of and they're not part of the solution either. That's gossip. We're sowing discord. We're sowing division. Years ago, a friend of mine was at a conference. I found this out from another friend. A friend of mine was at a conference and there was a missionary at that conference that I had led our church to drop support on because I believe they were embezzling funds and the police record will now speak to that, that they were. At the conference, they had not been arrested just yet for that. And while they were there, the missionary speaks to this other pastor and says, could you believe Pastor Andrews in Louisiana dropped us for support? What kind of a guy would do that for a ministry that desperately needs it? And my friend, did you know if I called his name, turned around and says, I'm sure if he did it, he had a good reason to do it. Then he stepped right in and he squelched it. Rather than stoke the fire that Jeremiah Andrews was burning on, he put it out quickly. Oh, that we would do that for each other. Instead of throwing a log on the fire, you know, the Bible says where there's no wood is, the fire goes out. You know, if somebody comes and brings you a juicy piece of gossip, don't throw a log on the fire. Let it die. You know, even if it's true, let it die. Let it die. You know, somebody said one time, I think it was D.L. Moody, I told the ladies in the kitchen the other day, it says, when someone speaks ill of you, don't argue with them, for you are much worse than they say you are. Truth. Truth. So when someone brings you a juicy piece of gossip, let it die right there. Why? Because there's something greater at stake, particularly in a church body. It's the unity. And we speak words that fracture the congregation. And they peel off this group and this group. And after a while, they're so fractured, that's what creates a split. And it falls away. It can't stand. Let's decide tonight. We're not going to let the devil use our words. We're going to let God use our words to please him. And no matter if the gossip's true, we're not spreading it any further than us. Boom, it dies right there. No logs on the fire. Not going to give the devil what he wants. Number two. 
how do we add worth to our words? Discuss privately, okay? Discuss privately. My daughter's thinking right now, Dad, I really wish you wouldn't tell so many stories about me behind the pulpit. I wish you would discuss that privately, amen? Well, that's different. That's preacher's privilege, right? So we get to the place and we say, well, that's hard. It is hard. I agree with you. When we're hurt, we have a natural tendency to want to vent. Guilty, 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 guilty. We get hurt, someone hurts us, we want to vent and tell someone else about our hurt. I get it. I get it. You say, well, you should be more spiritual than that. I'm sorry. I feel that way sometimes. I get hurt, I want to tell somebody else about my hurt. But remember, it's dangerous. So how do we make sure we cry to the right person? Number three, speak prayerfully. Speak prayerfully. What does that mean? It means seek God's will in your words. Seek God's will in your words. Psalms 19, 14, here's your great one. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Do you know what David is saying there? Who's he talking to? Talking to God. He's speaking prayerfully. Lord, let let the words of my mouth, let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. God, I want to make sure my words are right. Oftentimes, rather than act in faith and leadership of the Holy Spirit, we react in flesh. That's why I watch. That whole counting the 10 thing, that's real. It saved me a lot of heartache in my life. Somebody hurts your feelings. Somebody hurts you physically. Hey, why don't you wait just a few seconds before you open this thing up? Because if you're not careful, you'll be led of the flesh rather than of the Spirit, and you're going to say things that are not productive. And they're not edifying. Uh, The other day, my wife asked me at home, she says, will you go to Miley's closet and get her denim jacket? I said, sure. I don't mind doing that. So I was at the house, and I go to the closet. I open up the closet. Well, little did I know, she's got like 15 denim jackets. I told you she loves the 80s. You know, acid wash, all this. And so I asked Leslie on the text, which one? She says, the blue one. (laughs) Well, that narrows it down. You know what I did? I'm like, we have this technology. I'm going to use this technology. FaceTimed it. And so now I'm going through the closet like this. No. 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 And finally said, yes, that one. I'm like, there's no way in the world I would have picked that one. (laughs) So here's what I did. I used my phone and FaceTime, watch, so that she could see it. And to confirm to me that what she was seeing is what I needed to get. Let it be acceptable in thy sight. That I offer up to God, God, here's my words in my mind, God, here's my words, here's what I really want to say, God is this, and God goes, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh. Somebody posted the other day, I don't know how many times I've deleted a post on Facebook, good for you, good for you. Why? Because oftentimes we post it in the flesh rather than the spirit, and it ends up hurting us. I know people whose testimonies are hurt because of things they said on Facebook, social media. I had to walk our church through a scenario of church discipline in Louisiana all because of a Facebook post. Facebook post. Put it out there on the world wide web of social media. Their words got them in a whole, whole lot of trouble. So number three, speak prayerfully. Psalms 141.3, the Bible says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. That means I got this little guard. God, I'm going to put this little guard. He's the watchman on my mouth. And God, you, you tell him when to open it. And you tell him when to close it. 
and I'm going to let you say what I need to say and to speak through me. So number three, speak prayerfully. Number four, there's only five, so we're rolling down tonight. It's just now six o'clock. Communicating is not just speaking, by the way. Communication, uh, yesterday, if you were here, they had a beautiful set built up here. The ladies did, and they had, uh, they had a transmitter up here and a receiver up here on how to stay in tune. It was a great, great theme yesterday. Uh, but communicating is not just speaking, transmitting, it's also receiving. So this one's very, very important. Oftentimes, we say things the way we say them because we heard things the way we heard them. Is that right? And sometimes we react to the way we heard it, not necessarily in the way that it was said. So this is important. Number four, if we're going to add worth to our words, listen passively. Listen passively. Proverbs 19, 11, the Bible says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. It's his glory to pass over it. Do you know what that means? Overlook it. There are times things are said. I, I, I tell folks all the time, I have huge ears, okay? I, I feel like I do. When I look in the mirror, they look big to me. They may not be big to you, they're big to me. And I hear a lot, and, and a lot of times you will hear criticisms, and you will hear critical words that are said, and they made it through the grapevine all the way get back to you, and man, it stings a little bit. But then you start thinking about the whole grand scheme of eternity and life and all that God's called us to do. And the truth of the matter is, that's not even that much to worry about. And so you choose to pass over it. I want to pass over. You know what I'm doing? I'm listening passively. Listening passively. I'll assure you, if we're around each other long enough, and probably for a lot of you it's already happened, I've done or said something that that has hurt you. And there's a good chance some of you may have done something to hurt me. But boy, if we could learn to listen passively, it would help us pass over some things. Why? What are we talking about? We're talking about unity, that our words would be worth something. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I'm so thankful that God doesn't confront me and, and, uh, and just punish me every time that I get out of line. I'm thankful for grace. I'm thankful that his mercy passes over. All right? Does it make it okay? I get it right with him, but I'm thankful that God has mercy on me. And if we had mercy for one another, we would listen passively. I guarantee you there would be more unity. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. You know what the hard part? It's keeping it in. <laughs> it's keeping it in. Look, if you're not careful, you'll develop a critical spirit where you spot error and fault in everybody else's life but yours. And you want everybody to know what's wrong. And you're going to tell them, I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like that. You see, once again, self-serving. It's what I don't like. It's not what's good for the body. It's what I don't like. And the truth of the matter is, oftentimes when we do point that one finger, there are three pointing back at us. Proverbs 21, 23, whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. I think I ought to get that one put on the mirror in my bathroom every morning for me to realize that. If I would just keep my mouth, I would keep my tongue and my soul from troubles. One of my favorite verses that I have to repeat often in my life is 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. I told you we're going to let the word of God speak for itself tonight. The Bible says, and that you study to be quiet. <laughs> That's a Ph.D. course right there. 
and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. It's so easy to look over the fence, look over the cubicle, look in the next yard, the next home, the next life, and spot what's wrong. But the Bible says that I study to be quiet. It's not my job to speak up for everybody else's wrongs. Study to be quiet and to do your own business. That means the area of influence that God's given me, what God's called me to do, hey, do your own business. Matter of fact, when we focus on our own business, we find so much to do in our own business, we don't have time to critique everybody else about their business. Truth, truth. Look, things may not always be done the way that I like to do them, but as long as they're not wrong, hey, I'm going to pass over some things because I got so much to do in my own backyard. Do your own business. There's a lot of people, man, they have great ideas on how it is to pastor, and I just pray God calls them to it. I'm being honest with you. If you've never been a pastor, we have several, but Nate's been a pastor, but Edward's been a pastor. We have several pastors in here, and they're smiling like a possum right now. Because, oh, you know how it's all to be done until you're there doing it. And you realize that it was a lot harder than you thought. So number, th- number four, listen passively. And finally, we made it to the fifth one. The record is how many references we have. I think it's 25 or 30. Finally, we get to the place where we converse prudently. Converse prudently. Do you know what prudence is? Prudence is the act of giving care or concern for the future. That's what prudence is. So we've got to learn to converse or speak or communicate prudently, which means I'm speaking now, but taking the future into consideration. Now, this is an important one. If you're known to just speak your mind, be careful because it's like a boomerang. It could come back and get you in the future. Let me show you how. James 3.1. The Bible says, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Go back and read James 3. It's talking about our mouth and the words we speak. The Bible says, be not many masters. I never quite understood that until several years ago. Be not many masters. What does that mean? Well, it means don't be the one who's always trying to speak as if you're an authority on something. Because even though you don't have the title, the Bible says if you speak as if you do have the title and are always critiquing and always giving advice and always trying to correct, the Bible says you shall receive the greater condemnation. That means you're going to be judged as if you were the one who had the title. It's easy to sit back and say, boy, I tell you, the pastor should do this, and Brother Nate should do this, and that Sunday school teacher should do this, and Brother John should do this. Be careful, always verbalizing critique as if you are being many masters because God will allow you to stand and account for that just as if you were. And I'll promise you, you don't want to stand in my seat. You don't want to stand in other people's seat. You want to stand in your seat and yours alone. You can't afford to do both. So converse prudently. Be not many masters. Why? Hey, if you want to be the master who speaks about it, hey, you should do this different, you should do that, you should do that different, fine. Then you'll be accountable as if you were prudently. You know why? That helps me to study to be quiet, do my own business. Why? Because I don't want to receive the greater condemnation. We have two left and we're done. Two references. Matthew 12, 36. The Bible says, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. That tells me my words aren't free. That I just spit out words and it doesn't, no, no. The Bible says I'm going to give an account for every idle word 
That's not just an idle word that I whispered to somebody about something that I thought. That's every word that comes out of my mouth I'm going to give an account for. That's why he gave us our text, verse 17, that says, when we speak in word, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you do that, you're not going to be worried when you give an account for it. Like, hey, I ran that through the filter of God's word. That's what he wanted said. I please him. I don't worry at all when I say things that please God. Sometimes when you preach truth, man, people get mad at you. And I hate that. I really wish that I wasn't afraid of your faces sometimes. I do. I do. I wish some of you would smile every once in a while, really, because the devil says the reason they're not smiling is because you hurt their feelings. That's what he does. Preachers, am I right? You look out, you see somebody, and man, they're just sitting there all kind of, you know, got the uh, mullet grubs. Yeah, the devil says, yeah, you made them mad. And so then while you're preaching the sermon, you're trying to go back in your head and see what you said that made them mad. You don't want to CAT scan this thing during a sermon. It's like a bunch of squirrels running around in a wheel in there. I you ought to smile every once in a while. I have a note in my Bible. Who did I tell this to? I told somebody this the other day. I have a note in my Bible that I, was always, I always wanted to say this, and I'm fixing to say it tonight. You ever wonder what your face says? You ever wonder what your face says? Some of y'all's face says, I'm going to cut your throat after the service. I'm not kidding. One day we're going to put a camera right up there, point it out here, and let you see you. And then you'll know why it's so scary sometimes. It's not just your words that are speaking. Your face is speaking. That's why he said to Jeremiah, be not afraid of their faces. Hear me out tonight. Converse prudently. God gives you the right, you're an American, look, to say what you want to say, but understand there is an accounting for it. Every idle word. Finally, the last reference, boy, this is a tough one, James 1.26. If any man among you seem to be religious, I love this because it says seems to be religious. Amen, Brother Lawrence, seems to be religious. We like to talk about things as if we were. The Bible says, and bridleth not his tongue. That means you can act all religious and spiritual, but if you can't keep your mouth shut, the Bible says this, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. No matter how much religion you know, if you don't have enough religion to keep your mouth shut when it needs to be shut, the Bible says your religion is in vain. Don't get mad at me. That's just what it says. If we're not careful, look, I talk to pastors all over this country on a daily basis, and you hear of division, uh, you hear of whispers, and you, hear, you just hear of conflict, and so much of it goes back to this thing between our lips. And by the grace of God, let's head it off here at Central Baptist Church. we got a good thing going here. God's blessed this church for almost 75 years, and God wants to do so much more in this church than the future, but we can't let the devil do anything amongst us using our words against God's work. Can't do it. We've got to converse prudently. So let's review real quickly in case you didn't get it, okay? How do we add worth to our words? Number one, communicate productively before we speak. Say, what is this going to produce? Number two, when we don't communicate productively, let's discuss privately. As much as I hate people come to my office and tell me they have a problem with me, I'd rather you come to my office and tell me you have a problem with me than you go to somebody else and tell them you have a problem with me. I'll make a deal with you. I'll do the same thing. If I ever have a problem with you, you're great people. I probably will never have a problem with you. Number three, speak prayerfully. Speak prayerfully. Let them be acceptable in thy sight. God, before I speak, I want my word to be acceptable. Number four, listen passively. Pass over some things. 
keep it in. And then finally, verse five, converse prudently. I'm gonna think about my words when they come out of my mouth, they're like that bouncy ball. They're gonna keep bouncing. And how far they go and all the damage they do in between now and eternity is all depending upon the grace of God. And I don't wanna give the devil anything to use against me and our church and the great opportunity God has here. So tonight, can I just encourage you, let's add some worth to our words. Let's add some worth to our words. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Different messages.